Hello and welcome to another episode of a Brothers Creed podcast where we talk about motivation, experiences, and exploring the world around us. We are the Thomas Brothers. I'm Ethan. And I'm Jared. And tonight we're talking about, or today, we're talking about the famous father and son duos. This is the week of Father's Day. So we figured, hey, what, what a good time to talk about father-son duos. Uh, actually, one of mine isn't really a duo. It's kind of a father and all of his kids. Uh, but uh, yeah, we have some interesting ones. This is uh, an interesting topic. There's not a lot of father and son duos that like work together out there, but they're a small handful. Mostly like fathers uh, doing something and then their sons like kind of taking the reins after the fact. But uh, yeah, there's some good stuff. Ethan's got some good ones and I've got some good ones. Actually, I have some YouTube clips to share as well. So we'll throw those in from some of the ones I have. Uh, so it's going to be a, a good episode. Good time to think about your, your father on this coming Father's Day and uh, maybe give him a pat on the back and appreciation for all that he has taught you. Uh, so let's go ahead and dive in. All right, let's do it. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. Most valuable commodity I know of is information. And that, my friends, is called integrity. That's called courage. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of. Either you're somebody or you're nobody. You're not the devil. You're practice. So father-son duos. This was a cool one. Uh, you know, as Father's Day is coming up, um, it it really uh, took some some research to get into finding uh, number one kind of things that fathers and sons did together, but uh, as well, and, and really a lot of the things that I found um, that kind of built upon that father-son relationship were. Uh, fathers and sons that did similar things that um, that kind of one started something and then the the father started something and the son just continued on in that legacy and um, you know I'll go through and talk about a couple but uh, one of the ones uh, well I'll just I'll just jump into it so I was actually doing some research and I don't know if this is all of them right mm-hmm. but um, I was looking into the relationship between fathers and sons that were presidents of the United States. Oh yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot. It's like, why, you know, it's, it's not like, it's not like the King gets passed to the prince (laughs) prince, you know, and it's weird. So, but a couple of the ones I looked at was, so John Adams, Uh president John Adams and John Quincy Adams. Mm -hmm. So John Adams was the second president of the United States. Yep. Um, and was followed by his son, John Quincy Adams, who became the sixth president of the United States. A couple, um, several years later, they, yeah. Yeah, and so it was the only instance in American history where a father and son had held the the, the office of president up to that point, right? The second point, and the, yeah. the second and the sixth mm-hmm. president. And then uh, Benjamin Harris. So Benjamin Harris and William Henry Harris Benjamin Harris was the 23rd president of the United States, um, and he kind of played a, a really significant role in the the Reconstruction era of the United States. Um, and his father, William Henry Harris, served as the ninth president 
of the United States. Hmm. Um, but he had kind of a a really short tenure as as president. Um, hmm. But that's just another one too. The, they were the ninth president. His dad was, and then he was the twenty third president. Interesting, yeah. Um, and then, can you think of any more? The Bushes, obviously. The Bushes, yeah. right? So George H. W. Bush and George W. Bush. Um, George H. W. Bush served as the forty first president of the United States, um, kind of during the end of the Cold War, and then his son George W. Bush served as the forty third president of the United States, um, obviously kind of through the September 11 attacks and, and, and other, you know, that was, that was our generation. Yeah. Um, which is kind of interesting because that one was really close. The 41st and the 43rd yeah, yeah. father and son. I mean, it's only two presidencies apart. Yeah, that's true. But I guess if you had, you know, two terms and then, you know, if he was already, you know, if he was a uh, uh, you know in his twenties or something, when his dad served two terms, and the guy after him served two terms, I mean, that's another sixteen something years, or yeah, yeah. or even more. Um, well, before Bush, it was Clinton, right? Clinton was the nineties. Yeah, before George W. Bush, and yeah. then it was George W. And who then, did two terms, and then George ter- H. George W. H. Bush, H. W. Bush. Um, but so that was it. So forty first yeah. and forty third. And then John Adams was the second and the ninth, mm-hmm. and then Benjamin Harris was the or second and the sixth, excuse me. And then Benjamin Harris was the ninth and the twenty third. Mm-hmm. So I guess yeah. kind of the between the ninth and the twenty third, there was probably a couple in there that didn't last very long. Um, yeah. But I, I I think it's just kind of cool. And I, I was thinking through this: why does this happen? Right? How come you know presidents and politicians a lot of times they're their sons become presidents as well. Um, Depends on how deep you want to go down the rabbit hole. Yeah, I know. It's like, you know, there's, there's these kind of these, these politician families like the Bushes or the Kennedys or, you know, whoever else, you know, maybe someday, like maybe someday Hunter Biden might be president. I don't know. Oh dear. That would be the demise (laughs) of the, that would be last, that would be the last president. Well, who knows? Maybe (laughs) I think right now we might be in the last president. Uh, Yeah. I I think that I've heard a lot of conspiracies about this. Uh, starting at the top of the rabbit hole, I think that these people are kind of grown up into politics. They know what's up. They know how to do it. They know how to get into it. They have the contacts. Uh, yeah, that's like they anything. Have, they have the, not only the know-how, but they, they have the, the, the who know-how. And they, who have, they know how. and they have the name. I mean, if, oh, you're a Bush, or oh, hey, you're a Romney, or hey, you're a Trump, or hey, you're a... You know, these Kennedy. names, yeah, Kennedy, uh, you know, these names are, are like legends. Uh, and so I, I think I've heard uh, other conspiracy theories, you know, that go deeper that like, you know, George W. Bush uh, joined the Skull and Bone Society and, and they are the ones that kind of the puppet masters of this thing. And so they put him in and and then I've actually even, even heard the deeper that like all these like most of the presidents are actually from royal families. Uh, so it's kind of like a pseudo. Yeah, it's all, it's all orchestrated. It's orchestrated, all you know. Yeah. The the vote is is basically just a a, a dog and pony show. That's how it felt last election. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, made me feel like a pony faced dog soldier. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> to, yeah. To, to quote the president. To quote President Biden. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah so, so I just thought I thought that was cool. interesting. Yeah, it's kind cool. of not really, you know, 
father-son duos to a certain extent, but um, it's just interesting how it's, it's almost like creating this legacy. Um, and I kind of applied that to father-son duos of, of what kind of legacy are, are we creating or am I creating, right? Yeah. Is, the, is the Thomas name, am I representing the Thomas name well? And are, am I going to teach my, my children to represent the Thomas name well? Um, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, very good. Uh, I, I, I agree. I was looking at it and like I was trying to look like like I wonder I was curious if there were any like you know ancient conquerors or anything like that that were father sons and there are some of those but like the life expectancy back then was so short where I mean like maybe your your dad wouldn't really live that long so by the time you got to your prime your dad's pat way well past his he's just an old man yeah. and so uh, I know that there's a father and son duo that died at the Battle of Thermopylae with Leonidas. Uh, there was a father and son duo that died there. Uh, they fought together, but that's not the one that I covered. Uh, the one that I covered, actually, one of them w- was kind of in the movies. Uh, there's lots of father son duos in the movies. Uh, you have Will Smith and his son, uh, actually, all of, several of his kids. You have Clint Eastwood and his kids. You have uh, Ben Stiller. And his kids, you have uh, George Clooney. His dad was in the movies in the early. Uh, you have uh, Martin Martin Sheen, Martin Charlie Sheen, Sheen. and uh, tr- yeah, and then you also have uh, Emilio Estevez. This you have Sheen, yeah. Uh, Rob Lowe and his sons now in kind of an acting. Uh, Even like Angelina Jolie and her dad as well. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Not father yeah. son, but yeah, yeah. So there's lots of those, but I thought this one this one was kind of cool, and I have a couple clips about this one. Uh, have you ever heard of the Scars Guards? Yeah. So this is a there's Swe- like three of them that are. Well, there's actually more than that. So this is a Swedish day. family. So Stellan Skarsgård is the father. Uh, he's the oldest one. Um, the father. Yeah, Peter McAllister, the father. Uh, so he married. Now they're from Sweden. He married his wife, named Mai, M Y. They were married from 1975 to 2007 when they got divorced. And uh, he had six kids with her. It's a lot of kids. Uh, and then he actually remarried in 2009 to a lady named Megan. <laughs> uh, this is very Megan's a very non-Swedish name, but I guess. But they had they, then they had two kids named Ossian and Kolbjorn. I think that's how you pronounce it. There's a lot of things above the letters that are confusing. <laughs> but they're just, they're just little kids. But uh, so Stellan, his his older kids, uh, he had six kids. And so I'm going to talk about some of those. Uh, but first I want to talk about him. So he is a, a well-known actor in Sweden. He's done hundreds of films, more than 100 films. Uh, I don't know hundreds, but more than 100. Uh and famously, more recently, he's been known for his roles in Dune, Chernobyl. I think we posted a, a video on our uh, social media about him talking about Chernobyl. He was the, the Russian guy that was sent to Chernobyl to kind of figure it out. And he's like, oh, and he's talking about it. There's a, a movie that came out or a series called Andor that came out recently that he's in. And then he was also in Thor, uh, the original Thor. And also, I think he was in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, no, excuse me. Avengers, because he's like that crazy scientist guy, you know? When they yeah. create that portal that opens up above New York City, like he was being mind controlled by by uh, Loki during Loki. that. 
So I have a, a, a one thing I love about this guy is he has such an epic voice. Uh, he's a great actor too. So I have a, a little scene here from the movie Andor. Uh, that's a great speech of his. I haven't seen the series, but I've seen the speech a couple times, and it's really cool. Uh, so uh, I'll play it out. And what do you sacrifice? Calm. Kindness, kinship. Love. I've given up all chance at inner peace. I made my mind a sunless space. I share my dreams with ghosts. I wake up every day to an equation I wrote 15 years ago for which there's only one conclusion. I'm damned for what I do. My anger, my ego, my unwillingness to yield, my, my eagerness to fight. They've set me on a path from which there's no escape. I yearn to be a savior against injustice without contemplating the cost. And by the time I looked down, there was no longer any ground beneath my feet. What is my, what is my sacrifice? I'm condemned to use the tools of my enemy to defeat them. I burn my decency for someone else's future. I burn my life to make a sunrise that I know I'll never see. Now the ego that started this fight will never have a, a mirror or an audience or the light of gratitude. So what do I sacrifice? Everything! Yeah, so. That was the scene. Pretty pretty cool. He's got such an epic, uh, gritty voice. Uh, yeah. That's just quite, uh, quite epic. He is also, and his character in Dune, he's like this real bad guy. And uh, he's very menacing. So it's pretty cool, but so he's the father, and he he's been in this sweet. I mean, he's got a ton of Swedish films too that I don't even know. Nobody, well, I guess Sweden's Swedish. Somebody people. knows. <laughs> Somebody knows. Uh, but one thing I thought was interesting that he said. He said, "I never had ambitions for them." Talking about his children, other than other than that they should be decent people. So I thought that was cool. He didn't really have his kids aspire to be. Um, you know, actors or, or, or whatnot. So uh, of his kids, uh, let's talk about the first one, Alexander. Uh, Alexander, he was in the movie The Northman. He was also Tarzan, and he was absolutely jacked in both those movies. Uh, he's the eldest son, and he started doing movies at the age of seven. Uh, he was on a Swedish film about 10 years he did Swedish films for about 10 years, and then he quit acting for a while. Uh, he said he he said uh, in GQ magazine, it was my way of going off into the unknown. Uh, and so he joined the military in 2011 just to kind of go do his own thing. After he was in the military for about 18 months, apparently a short stint, he, he went to visit his dad in L.A., and his dad was like, hey, you know, maybe get back into acting. And he got put in touch with his... Uh, dad's agent and then he went and got his he just he said hey why don't you audition for something and he auditioned for Zoolander and got a small part in Zoolander uh for his uh kind of debut on the American scene so uh that was pretty cool and oh uh I I forgot to mention that he was able to act with his dad in a movie at the age of seven so that was kind of cool to be able to act with your dad 
Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, oh, uh, another one I, I was going to mention, side note, and this is Kiefer Sutherland and his dad, Donald Sutherland. They also played in the movie together. So that was kind of cool. Uh, his other son, Gustav, uh, he played in Vikings. I think he was low-key in Vikings. Uh, he was also in the movie. Loki, I think is his name. Bloki. Bloki? Oh, okay. I, With an F, yeah, but yeah. Floki? Okay. With an F, yeah, Floki. Okay. Uh, there's He's also in the movie Air, which I haven't seen, which it just barely came out, about the Air Jordans. Uh, and then he was he's going to be in the movie Oppenheimer. So that's kind of cool, uh, which we will review in the next few months. So he always wanted to do acting like his dad. And so he, he just always had been focused. And as a teen, uh, he turned on roles in soap operas and instead attended the Swedish National Academy of Mime and Acting College. Uh, <laughs> funny how they're still mimes. Uh, his stateside breakout was in the movie The Way Back. You remember that one, right? Where they break out of that yeah, Russian prison so. and they have to like hike out of like the Himalayas all the way down yep. to Nepal. That was kind of a cool show. Um, true story, I think, too, by the way. Uh, so uh, that's Gustav. The other son, Bill Skarsgård, you know what he was in? Uh, he was the one in John Wick, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He was in John Wick and 4. he was also in It. He was also, he was Pennywise in It 1 and 2. So the remakes, obviously, of It. Uh, so he's the fourth child. Uh, as a teen, uh, he questioned if he wanted to be an actor. He kind of knew, he, he was like, do I want to be an actor because my dad's an actor or do I really want to be an actor? And later, uh, he got into the industry doing small shows, uh, you know, like Hemlock, Grove, and just like small stuff on Hulu and, and soap operas. And then he got his breakout role as this kind of the lead in It. Uh, and... So uh, he also has other kids. I don't ignore them. Uh, Valter, who's an actor as well, but he's mostly just in Swedish films. Uh, he has a, a daughter, Elijah. Elijah. Uh, she's a casting director. And then he has a son named Sam, who is a doctor. Uh, so and then his other two kids, which are just little kids. So, yeah, kind of a cool family. And it's interesting how each of them... So some of them are like, oh, I feel like I need to find my own way. Or, or yeah, Bill Skarsgård, he was like, you know, I, I I was reading some interviews with him, and he was like, oh, I want to, I wanted to go my own way. I didn't want to lean on my family name, so I went out and, you know, applied for stuff. And it's like, dude, people still know your last name, so I I don't know how much like he can just forge his own way. I mean, I think he wanted to do that, but like he's a Skarsgård. Everybody knows the Skarsgård, so it's like okay. You have like the most recognizable name in like all the industry. <laughs> so well, and he probably wasn't applying to like McDonald's. No, exactly. So I don't know how much he built his own way. Uh, but anyway, uh, he's great. He, he did great at it. Uh, and all these guys are, are, are pretty decent actors. They all joke. They say that all joke around the dinner table about how many roles they've gotten and what what, what they're playing, you know. And so, it's and then the one doctor's like. Yeah, I saved a life today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. While you guys were playing, I was saving lives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, while you were pretending to be doctors, I have an actual doctor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, that's uh, an- another kind of family like that is, I guess, the Hemsworths, I think. Oh, yeah. As well. There, there's there's like three or four of them that, that do acting. But uh, th- that's really cool. Kind of like the, the family, I guess, the father and kids type scenario. And that was one thing I kind of dug into as well is 
father son situations where like it seems like the the talent kind of was passed from one fa- from the father to the son um and and maybe it was the talent just because there was exposure to that specific thing or maybe it's some kind of just like built into their genes and so a couple examples are um uh, Johann Sebastian Bach. Yes, right. The, we the all cellist. know who he was. Um, oh no, 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 the no, composer. Yeah, the composer. The composer. Yeah. And then Carl Philippe Emmanuel Bach. So Sebastian Bach was a German composer and musician, one widely regarded as kind of one of the greatest composers that that ever existed. Um, and his son, Carl Philippe Emmanuel Bach also is a, a a very famous and achieved composer um, and played a huge, uh, significant role in kind of the transition um, of classical music in, in, in our day. Hmm. And so it's just really kind of interesting how, you know, Sebastian Bach, the guy that we know is like Bach, you know? Yeah. And then you don't really hear about his son, but his son as well was an amazing musician and composer. Yeah. And it's like, well, was that like, you know, forced upon him or drilled upon him as a child? Because Bach was a prodigy. Yeah. And so was it just like, you know, was his son just a prodigy as well? Or is that like, you know, inherent or is it, uh, you know, passed down from generation to generation? I think there's talent. I think that part of it is that like kids want to like you have the best teacher in the world. That's like you see that all the time with like basketball players, like and, and, and athletes. That like, they're imagine getting lessons from like a, a pro athlete. You're gonna be really good if you get lessons from your a pro your entire life. Yeah, your yeah. entire life, and then you like idolize that, and you're always on the baseball field or our basketball court, and you're always like, oh man, you know, like you just is kind of like you're just like born into that yeah. almost. Yeah. So another one I thought was interesting was the Curie family. So we've all kind of heard of of. Madame Curie or Marie Curie, she was the one that studied kind of radiation and then she ended up dying from radiation poisoning. And that's kind of where we got a lot of like, like x-rays. Um, so Pierre Curie and Marie Curie were husband and wife and they were French, um, uh, basically scientists that were pioneering, uh, some of the in- or initial work on radioactivity. Um, what's interesting is that their daughter, um, Irene uh, Jolette Curie, followed in their footsteps and basically continuing on in the same uh, studies and actually ended up winning a Nobel Prize in chemistry for her research on um, artificial radioactivity. And so it was just kind of interesting how, you know, even that science, that mind, right, the creative and and, and that uh, scientific mind, just really smart and intelligent, was passed down from parents to child. Yeah. Um, You know, in that case, it was their daughter, right? We're talking about father's sons, but I thought it was a good call out. Um, And then the last one here on talent is the... uh, the Earnhardt family, right? You got Dale, oh, Earnhardt, yeah, yeah. Dale Earnhardt Sr., yeah. Dale, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, Dale Earnhardt Sr. was a legendary NASCAR driver known as the Intimidator. 
right? Us being in North Carolina kind of is where a lot of this happened. There's a a theme park uh, here um, with roller coasters and everything. And actually one of the roller coasters, the biggest ones in the park is called the intimidator. And it's all, uh, it's kind of Dale Earnhardt themed. Oh, actually, I actually didn't know that that was Dale Earnhardt. Yeah. So he was a seven time Winston cup series champion. uh, Senior was, and then his son, Dale Earnhardt jr. Followed basically in the same footsteps and became a very successful NASCAR driver, earning, winning numerous races and really kind of creating and building his own racing legacy. Um, and that's just kind of like another. Yeah. I mean, they. I guess they're the they're the box of the of the racing world. Yeah, right? I, had, I had. I also looked at those guys and I had something a little bit to share on those. Uh, it looks like they comp- they actually competed together. It wasn't just like here's the mantle, son. Like you take it from here. They actually competed together in uh, in the NASCAR series one full season in 2000 before Dale Earnhardt Sr. was died in his uh, tragic car accident uh, at the season opening in 2001 Daytona 500. So uh, that one year, juniors was juniors rookie season, uh, and he admitted that you know he had something to prove. So uh, one one of the things that he was saying is he said, uh, I raced dad really hard. When I was out there, I was obviously trying to show him that I was capable of doing what I was capable of doing. And so I was probably over my head a lot of the time trying to do too much. There were a lot of instances where we butted heads at the racetrack on the track, on the racetrack. <laughs> so like um, he talked about a story once where they were racing in Japan, and Dale Sr. got mad at Jr., and he threw a shoe at him uh, while they were uh, tangled uh, uh, a little on the track. It probably didn't help that during the race, Jr. said uh, he and his team stole a set of tires from Sr.'s pit box. <laughs> they act, they actually got approval to do it for, uh, for, from the other team, but his dad got mad at him because he stole some tires from him. Uh, but there was one uh, story where his son, his dad, like, you know, clipped him or said something and his son came up to him and he ran his right tire up the right side of his whole car <laughs> and they were pissed at each other, you know. So it's kind of a, a cool thing to see those guys uh, do that together. That's funny. That's funny. I had one more. I had, I had, I had one more. You go first because I just, I just went through a couple okay. of mine. You go uh, first. Yeah, so this one is... Um, Kind of interesting. So uh, I don't really follow much baseball uh, or really any professional sports for that matter. But I thought this was a cool example. So this is an example uh, of of a father and a son who got to play together in in a major league sport. There's a lot of examples out there who fathers who played major, who played a professional sport and then their sons eventually did. But there's not a lot that their father and son played on the same team. Uh, So the Griffies, they're called the Griffies. Father Ken Griffey Sr., they were. He was a well-accomplished baseball player. He was aged forty. So I mean, not many. I mean, that's pretty much ta- tail end of your career, right? Uh, in fact, he was playing for the Cincinnati Reds. He was a three-time All-Star, two-time World Series winner. Uh, he was nearing retirement, uh, and they gave him an option to switch teams or to be forced retired by the Cincinnati Reds. And his son uh, joined up with the Cincinnati Reds. And so he actually decided to just play one season with his son and then be forced retired. Uh, and so his son, Ken Griffey Jr., he was 20 years old. So this was kind of his first uh, foray. And uh, 
it was kind of a cool they this so they played one season together. Senior was in the left field, junior was in the center field in, in their first game together. Uh the two batted back to back in their first game, uh, you know, on the bot- batting roster. It said senior, junior. Uh and then, you know, they each, you know, kind of competing each other. One hit it up the middle, one hit it uh you know, a, a line drive, you know, ten towards the first base. Uh and Later, they played a game where they hit back-to-back home runs. Uh, each they each hit home really? runs. That was cool. Yeah, and the other outfielders, uh, one of the outfielders, uh, said, "I don't like seeing." Uh, he said, "I don't like seeing it be done against us, but it was nice to see." <laughs> uh, so they played fifty-one games together, father and son, uh, and then Junior made it to the eventually made it to the Hall of Fame, and in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he reflected on the time that he played with his dad. Uh, they're the first father and son to win in an all-star game together. So I'm actually going to play a clip, uh, just a short clip here of his acceptance speech to the Hall of Fame. It's just kind of just a couple seconds here, but he talks about him and his father uh, and their time together. So let me see if I can play this here. Say things that have never been said. I got a chance to play with my dad. I got to yell at him and tell him to get a hit. And in baseball, there's certain things of, you can call somebody a fossil, gray beard, grandpa, dad, pops, but I got a chance to say it and mean it. We had back-to-back home runs. We're the first father and son. With the first father and son to win MVPs in an all-star game. So that was just a little bit of his speech. He talked about his dad. He, he goes on and talked about other stuff, but pretty cool. And his dad's there, you know, watching him and stuff at that acceptance speech. So anyway, I thought those, the, the Griffies, uh, that was kind of cool uh, that they were able to do that. Yeah, I like that. Um, that's cool. That, that, I'm sure that was a, a, a really, just a, a lifelong memory experience that i'm sure they they enjoyed together yeah for sure well well i had one last one uh this was kind of an interesting one um this one is well i don't need to preface it i'll just get into it (laughs) so uh this is kind of an inspiring story of a father and a son that really kind of accomplished uh, some amazing things together um and this is the the story of Dick Hoyt and Rick Hoyt. So they were known as Team Hoyt. And as in uh, Hoyt Rick, Archery? Yeah, so H O Y T Hoyt. Yeah. Right. So I don't think there's any uh relation to archery, but Oh, there's um, a there's a brand of of bows called I think it's called Hoyt. Yes, Hoyt bows. Yeah, yeah there yeah. are. But the story doesn't have anything okay, to do with that. Okay, uh, I thought this was the, the beginning of the, the Bow no, dynasty. No. <laughs> well, I mean, that'd be cool, but no. So uh, Rick Hoyt, the son, was actually born with cerebral palsy, uh, which left him unable to speak or walk. Um, but uh, kind of despite these challenges in his son's life, Dick the father, uh, he was determined to include Rick, his son, in kind of all aspects of life. And Rick could communicate. Um, he just was uh, kind of, he, he didn't speak um, 
like in sentences and stuff. Um, so in uh, this journey began in 1977 when Rick, the son, uh, kind of expressed a desire to participate in a local charity race that they had, like a foot race. Um, and it was, I don't know if it was like a 5k or something like that, which is like three miles. Um, and, uh, Dick, the father didn't really have any experience with running, but he said, well, what the heck let's do it. Right. And so he ended up pushing his son, Rick in the wheelchair for the entire race. And really this kind of ignited like a passion in both of them to start to compete in different races. And they really kind of built up and actually ended up doing multiple marathons, triathlons, and even an Ironman together. Yeah. And so obviously uh, Rick, the son, who's in a wheelchair, you know, wheelchair bound, and he doesn't physically can't support himself, um, that put a lot of pressure on on the dad, on the father. And so uh, Dick, the father, he would swim bike and run all while pushing Rick in a specially designed wheelchair and pulling him in a boat during the swimming portions of the, these races that he was doing. And so, I mean, he would just strap him to his, you know, strap him on a cord and pull him behind in a boat as he was swimming, you know, miles, miles and miles. Um, so, uh, they said that, that they faced physical and emotional challenges, obviously. I'm sure that was extremely difficult. But their bond and determination and their excitement for what they were doing really kind of um, propelled them forward. And I didn't come with the, any videos, but but I'll drop in uh, some, some videos and some pictures of them completing some of these races. And uh, it, it's, it's emotional, right? Because you can see on both of their faces the accomplishment that that – you know, the, the father is for being able to number one, do these races. I mean, mm-hmm. complete an Ironman just in general is a, 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 an accomplishment, but to be able to pull the dead weight of someone along the entire way or push someone, you know, yeah. on, on the, uh, pulling on the swim, pushing on the, uh, uh, on the bike and then on the run. And so, uh, it's just a really inspirational story. And so they went through and actually ended up competing and completed over a thousand races. So 1,100 races, including, including 72 marathons and six Ironmans. Holy moly. Yeah. That's crazy. Full Ironmans too. Full Ironmans. Yeah. Yeah. And so, which is, uh, if I remember correctly, um, two miles swimming and then, a like 100, 140 miles on bike or something like that, maybe more, and then a full marathon. That's crazy. Um, it's wild. Yeah. So uh, there's that, and then it, it's amazing to me that the father was able to provide the opportunity and excitement and enjoyment that that his son uh, Rick felt, um, and and really it was kind of a, an inspirational thing, and and they were really kind of an advocate for uh, accessibility to some of these races and just inclusion in general, and where, uh, raising awareness for 
um, individuals with disabilities like Rick yeah. had. Um, obviously, his his were were very severe, um, but they they raised tons of of just money and uh, awareness and everything else, kind of for uh, people wanting to compete and participate with disabilities. So really so kind of cool with cerebral palsy, like. I know it's like a it's like a muscle thing, right? Or the nervous mm-hmm. system issue. Uh, is he like was he like all there mentally? Uh, I think he was. Yeah. So I think he was he was there mentally. He couldn't really formulate words. I think just, but I think it was more of a uh, a, a physical restriction than it was so much as a, a mental restriction. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could see him. Um, in, in his communicating, it kind of seemed like it was a lot of just kind of like grunts and oohs and ahs and things like that uh-huh. um but uh, i mean even if he had a a, a kind of a, a, a lower mentality of like an eight or a 10 or a 12 year old or whatever um still still able to understand what was going on oh, interesting um so in 2021 in, in march of 2021 dick hoyt the father uh, passed away and um Obviously, after he he passed away, um, you know they 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 kind of slowed down with the with the races and everything before, and then that was kind of going into the whole kind of COVID time period and everything. Yeah, I don't know if that was uh, related to his his passing or not, um, but he was he was getting quite old because this journey started in 1977. Jeez, wow. um, so Team Hoyt continues to inspire people, um, continues to inspire us and just kind of the bond between father and son and the extraordinary things that, you know, that people can do together. Right. And, uh, not only for, you know, physical health, but mental health. And, uh, it made me think of, are there things that I can do now that my children can't do for themselves? Like opportunities that I can provide that would help them to feel, accomplished or help them to feel supported in, in, in their desires. And so yeah. I just want to kind of plant that seed a little bit yeah. with the story of, uh, of team Hoyt. Yeah, that's really good. I think sometimes like as fathers, we just think about our responsibility. Well, you know, you think about your responsibility to your kids. Uh, sometimes I actually think about uh, like, sometimes I'm like, okay, father's day, like, I, 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 it's a time of reflection for me. It's like, well, am I the, am I the father that I want to be? But then also I think it's important to remember my father, you know, and, and how appreciative I am of him. And sometimes you just get so focused on, on your own family that you're like, wait a second, my father taught me a lot of stuff and he, you know, he did, uh, some good things that I I appreciate. Uh, and some of those I, 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 plan to emulate and try to emulate with my own kids uh and then obviously like any like any son I, you know try to do a little bit better you know i hope my I hope my kids are better now my, our dad has said that all the time he's like i hope you're a better dad than i am <laughs> not that our dad was a bad dad but um you know the idea would being is like you hope your children are just like and i always thought that was weird that like sometimes kids with like parent or dads would compete with would be like oh my son's never going to be as good as I am. Like I want my kids to be better uh, than me and I want them to be better men. And, and, and that's what, something our dad has, has always said, uh, which always kind of made me wonder why, 
you know, dads would always put their kids down or, or think that their kids aren't good enough. Why, why wouldn't you try to be constantly trying to build up your kids? Uh, I never really understood that, but yeah, well, and, and I definitely feel like we were supported and, and, uh, encouraged and given a great example of a, of a father, um, and, and kind of a, a great baseline of, of where to start in raising our, our own kids. Um, yeah, but yeah, I completely agree. I mean, it's, it's, just generationally, if you're always trying to improve the next generation better than yourself to be stronger than you, I want my kids to be stronger than me and stronger than my weaknesses. And, and, uh, you know, not, you know, I want to pass on the good stuff and not the bad stuff. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, uh, I think if that, if that is like the, the goal of the family, right, that that's a legacy in and of itself. Imagine, yeah. imagine 10 generations from now, imagine how amazing those people can be. Um, you know, if we're still around by then. Oh, Tom, dude, I got four boys, man. There's definitely going to be Thomases around, and you got at least (laughs) you got three boys and a girl. So there's there's going to be plenty Thomases around. I was talking more like ten generations from now, but but uh, yeah, totally. Like, what are we what are we going to pass on? Probably they probably won't remember us from ten ten generations from now. Uh, they'll probably just be like, oh, that old podcast. But what's cool now is that like. You know, we look back ten generations ago, and it's like you know, the, the like the seventeen hundreds or, or or earlier than that, and it's like there's no record of those people. We have no idea. So, barring some type of apocalyptic event, it's kind of cool that you could that people ten generations now could go back and they could listen to their grandparent, their their great 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 grandpas. You know, well, yeah. I mean, you let's say talking uh, about this, talking stuff. about yeah. just movies and. I mean, and being a good it, dad and stuff like that. It's yeah, on, it's on the internet. We're out there, and so, so as long as the internet doesn't get shut down. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. It might change, but I yeah. don't think there'll be massive loss of information. But you never know. Maybe we'll we'll have to we'll put we'll have to put all these on a hard drive and like, you know, put it on like a, a metal disc and and bury it in the ground and say time capsule yeah. it or something. Yeah, put them on like floppy disks or something. Yeah, that way, like in the future, like what was that Demolition Man? When like the only yeah. the only restaurant that survived was Taco Bell, <laughs> yeah, seriously. And then, so they had, like, and that was like the fancy restaurant. Yeah, yeah. So maybe if like our our podcast survives the pending apocalypse, like that will be the only way people can remember the the twentieth and twenty first century. <laughs> hey, hey, I don't think that'd be such a bad thing. <laughs> I don't think so either. <laughs> so well, all they'll right, guys, start, they'll start fresh and figure out how to start a new. Uh, hey, start a new nation with a brother's creed that's right let's start let's start with a good foundation at least yeah so everyone out there uh go give your dad uh, a call so give your appreciation for him and uh and try to be the best dad that you can be and uh maybe see how you can teach one of your kids to follow in your footsteps or how you can give your kids opportunities to become successful themselves so with that let's build our creeds together All right, let's do it.